My name is Bernard Garrett, and I am your host of the Apartment Investor Series podcast, where I provide an on-the-ground look at the multifamily real estate market. I have been fortunate as a broker to learn from and witness what super successful apartment investors have been doing with their investment properties over the past 23 years. This podcast highlights how the experts are maximizing their multifamily investing. Let's get started. Welcome to the Apartment Investor Series podcast, where we take an in-the-trenches look at the apartment and multifamily market in the Pacific Northwest and beyond. I'm your host, Bernard Garrett, with Ava Schmola. Hi, Ava. Hello. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? Good, thank you. Good. Yeah, this today we're uh, going to talk about the 2022 year in review. Okay. So did you have a good year in 2022? I mean, you can't complain. Hey, we're know. still alive, right? Still alive, exactly. Well, I would say the 2022 year, if you could summarize it in one headline for the multifamily apartment market, I would say the headline would read, it's a tale of two markets. Uh-huh. Any any guess why why? A tale of two markets? Um, people had different experiences, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Know. Good guess. Good guess. Uh, I would say the it was more about timing. Mm-hmm. The first half of the year was a hot seller's market. Okay. And the second half of the year was almost frozen. Oh, wow. Yeah, so... Uh, we'll start with the first half of the year. The the themes of the first half of the year where we saw high prices. Uh, we had, at Joseph Bernard, we had multiple offers in all of our listings. Uh-huh. We had, you know, there's low interest rates. Uh, similar to year, recent years past, there was very little available yeah. for inventory on the market, which kept prices high. And... Also, it was very similar market uh, to the residential market. Uh, Do those usually match those markets? Yeah. You know, know, the residential market is primarily, there's a lot of seasonal things that happen with residential market. I mean, it's not always true, but, you know, time of the year of spring or the school um, timing Mm-hmm. When people are families are looking for houses, seem to be cyclical. It, you know, you, the Christmas time and holidays, you see sometimes a slowdown uh, with the residential market. But multifamily, I think the season for multifamily has always been the interest rates. Yeah. When interest mm-hmm. rates are low, buyers and sellers are doing a lot of activity. And when they go up, it, it changes things. So, right. Um, However, this year, the first half of the year, the multifamily market really did mirror the residential market. Mm-hmm. You know, we've all heard about the stories about the hot residential market across the U.S., where buyers were paying way over list price. There was hardly anything available. There were bidding wars, all those things. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, here too. Yeah, exactly. You know, Pacific Northwest especially. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're not really used to that. California has seen that 
and dramatic changes in markets over the over years and really highs and, and lows. Um, we don't you, we haven't really seen that spike in activity in the Oregon Southwest Washington market, but the last couple of years especially have been really hot. Yeah. And the multifamily market definitely mirrored that because we were seeing above list price. We were seeing low cap rates. Um, it kind of didn't matter what the list price was. Sellers were getting offers. Um, sellers were getting high prices on properties that needed a lot of work as well. Yeah, yeah. Where in the past, those deals were often, I guess you could call them, that's where a lot of buyers were looking to find properties that needed rehab work because they could get a better price yeah. and then go in and raise rents and, you know, do rehab and raise rents and then make the property worth more then. Um, so the first half of the year, we still saw high prices on those kinds of properties too. Yeah. All in all the first half of the year, I mean, to again, borrow another Dickens headline, it was definitely the the best of times for sellers. Yeah. And then the interest rates hit in late summer and you just yeah. Yeah, start to kind of feel it in June. I, I had a personally had a few deals where the interest rates were starting to go up in the middle of a transaction. Interesting. Yeah. And, and buyers fortunately locked in the rates before they went up, you know, half a point or a point during the course of that 60 day window. Yeah. So the second half of the year, yeah, interest rates went up and it's always interesting to me that when interest rates go up, they don't just do a gradual stair step over time where you, it's not like you can just plan out when you're going to buy or sell based on a logical increase or decrease in rates. When, you know, over time, when interest rates jump up, they usually spike up fairly quickly. Yeah. And that this was, was pretty quick and significant. Yeah, definitely. It was. It was. And there was a lot of volatility with the rates. You know, there still mm -hmm. is, but rates were hitting, you know, 7% for multifamily financing. Uh, they seem to be stabilized a little bit now in the fives, but there's, depending on, you know, the strength of the borrower and the property type, it could still be in the sixes. Mm -hmm. There's still some volatility there, but. Second half of the year, yeah, it spiked up in the third quarter and everything froze. Yeah. Um, third quarter, I just, I read recently that the transactions were about 60% less from the third quarter of the year before. And that continued. We're still waiting to get the numbers in from fourth quarter of 2022, but it'll probably be similar than the third quarter with about 60% less transactions. Interesting. Is this cycle like the recession of 2009, 2010? Yeah, great question. Um, there's definitely some similarities. I remember, you know, in 2009 hit, everything froze. And really, you know, the, the bank crisis was going on. Everything froze. Interest rates didn't really move, but the the lending stopped. And when lending stopped, that meant the buying stopped. And the only sellers in the market in 09 and I guess the first half of 2010, the only sellers were the sellers that had to sell. Yeah. Um, we don't usually see foreclosures in the apartment market, but there was definitely a few of those. And so sellers, either their property wasn't doing well or they needed the money from other areas of their personal life. Yeah. So those sellers are the only ones that were, were selling 
And you were lucky if you were a seller and a buyer showed up at closing with anything near what you wanted for your price. Uh-huh. Um, you know, the banks were really in rough shape then. Yeah. And there wasn't a lot of cash to buy stuff. Um, so that's different now. The banks are in a tremendously different space. Yeah. Yeah, they're a lot stronger now. Uh, buyers are a lot stronger. There's a lot more cash that has been yeah. sitting on the sidelines being, uh, you know, waiting for a home, so to speak, for buyers and investors. Interesting. Yeah. So the the infrastructure seems a lot different than the last recession. Mm -hmm. um, and really, you know, you, it, depending on who you talk to and the definition of recession, some people say we've been in a recession for a year, uh, starting in the first quarter of 2021. And some people say we're not in one yet. 22. Uh, yeah, yeah, 20, yeah, 22. And uh, so some people say, so depending on your definition, we may or may not be in a recession now, and who knows yeah. what we're headed for. Um, but there are definitely some similarities and some very different, you know, the foundation is very different with the available funds from banks and from buyers. Mm -hmm. Well, before we go on, let's talk about the R word that you just said, recession. There's a lot of controversy about if we are in a recession or not, but literally recession is defined by having two consecutive quarters with negative GDP growth. Um, so first quarter of, we had that, um, first quarter of last year, 2022, we had negative 1.6% GDP growth. And then the second quarter we had minus 0.6%. But then third quarter, we were up 3.2% and fourth quarter came in at plus 2.9%. So in the future, we're going to get what we're going to get. Who knows if we are in a recession, we came out of it, or if it's a soft landing. But you know, technically speaking, right now, we're not in a recession. And to give you an idea on numbers, um, you have any guess on how many transactions you, we typically get the last five years for apartments in the Portland market? No. Yeah, it's a, it's <laughs> it's really interesting. I started tracking this about twelve years ago, um, when it, back in two thousand ten, when when we were going through the uh, that last recession. But the last five years or so, so we'll, for the whole market or just yeah for the Portland Portland oh, metropolitan okay. market, we yeah. typically will get we'll see around one hundred eighty two hundred transactions a year. Okay. Um. The, Majority of those, 80% of those are under 50 units. Okay. So the apartment market's considered five units and above, four units and below are residential, but five units and above, five to 50 units, there's about, that's about 80% of the market. And then another 10% of the market is 50 to 100 units. Okay. And then the last 10% is anything above 100 units. That's the institutional market. Oh, yeah, I see. And, um, you know, what we focus on at Joseph Bernard is, is everything below hundred units primarily. Yeah. Um, and not the institutional stuff. But so uh, if you include all of those, it's about 180, 200 transactions a year. And the first half of the year was on par, maybe a little bit less than the first half of the previous year. But the second half of the year, we saw about 60% less. So this year we'll, when the numbers come in for Q4, we'll probably be around 120 transactions plus or minus. 
Oh, interesting. Yeah, with a hundred of those being below 50 units. Okay. And so, yeah, so the, the transactions are definitely down. Um, and that's really directly related to the interest rates. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so what did sellers do with their money? Um, normally, when people sell apartments, they'll do a 1031 exchange uh, into another apartment that's maybe a bigger property uh, where uh-huh. they sell their property, their smaller property where they've got a lot of equity in and their tax benefits are not as uh, s- strong as they used to be. So in the past, we've seen for years, people will take their 10 unit and buy a 30 unit, for example. Um, this year, in the last few years, really, we haven't seen very much available. Mm-hmm. So there's not been a whole, there haven't been very many options for sellers. So what did the seller do in 2022? Well, since that intermarket 1031 situation was tough, started seeing diff- sellers do different things. You know, this year, uh, the premium was still high in the first half of the year. So we saw sellers sell for premium and just pay their taxes and cash out. Oh, yeah. Um, people that had been longtime investors in the area and didn't like, for example, the Portland legislation yeah. with rent control. Yeah. Understandable. And, yeah, and they were self-managing. It just became too tough or too potentially onerous. Um, so they saw a lot of those people sell and just pay taxes and move on. Um, other people sold uh, out of the Oregon market and into Washington or other markets like Arizona, for example. We saw a lot of that happening the last couple mm-hmm. of years. Yeah. And the other thing, I, a trend I saw in 2022 were people changed the property type. Uh, they saw a handful of my clients went from apartments to DSTs across the country or Delaware statutory oh. trust properties. Why would you um, change your property type? What What are the benefits of a of a DST? Well, yeah, great question. So a DST, you can, you're basically a partial owner of an institutionally managed property, usually a large property, uh, and depending on where you go and who the sponsor is, you can essentially have upgraded property type, maybe a newer property, and yeah. since it's larger, can get institutional management, which is often an upgrade with from going from self-management or a small uh, small company um, that does property management going into a larger institutional management. So owners can dramatically upgrade um, their property quality. A lot of the sellers have sold properties that are 40, 50, 60 years old and going yeah. into a newer property that has less deferred maintenance and potentially have dramatically higher uh, quality management. Interesting. And you're seeing that outside of the Oregon market, people yeah. going outside okay. of Oregon? Yeah. So we're seeing states with strong immigration have uh, a lot of popularity with DST buyers. So owner operators, again, most of these properties are below 80 units, uh, 50 units. You know, 80% of them are below 50 units. And a lot of these are mom and pop owners who have been self-managing. Uh-huh, yeah. And getting out of that risky self-management piece into passive ownership where the, the return might be less, you know, somewhere plus or minus 4%, but the risk is potentially dramatically less. 
Yeah, I, I would assume that there's a peace of mind with not having to keep up with all that legislation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's just so many opportunities for owners or landlords that are, um, you know, self-managed. There's so many opportunities to make mistakes now and not to do something correctly. And the yeah. the the penalties are extremely high for those mistakes. So yeah, yeah. peace of mind. Um, it's a great exit. DSTs are a great exit strategy as mm -hmm. well. Since the returns are a little bit low, the, the risk is a little bit low. So it's a great wealth preservation strategy versus yeah. a wealth generation strategy. Mm -hmm. So depending on your goals, that was that was a, a viable uh, viable option for sellers in 2022. Okay. So those are those are the major trends that I saw. Um, you know, buyers. You know, what do buyers do? They're still in the market looking for the right property. Uh, I hear all the time buyers calling in, and they will say the same thing. They'll say. I'm looking for a property that makes sense financially. And that's a great, I think what they're saying, Ava, is that uh, they're looking for something that has a, a strong enough cash return to validate the risk of owning yeah. multifamily. Makes sense. Um, yeah, and that's tough to find. I mean, the cap rates and the cash flows have been compressing ever since I started in 2000. You know, you could buy stuff at a 10% cap rate and now things are in the three, four or 5% cap rate sometimes. So it's hard to find things that make a lot of cash flow. Usually it takes some time to, to get there, but buyers are in the market looking mm -hmm. and they've got a lot of cash. Yeah. So the 2023 will be an interesting year. We'll have to see. I would say the major trend right now is buyers and sellers seem to be waiting for interest rates to give direction to the market. I see. Because the buyer's return is directly related to the interest rates. In the past, you know, prices may have been high um, and the cash flow was what was sufficient. Uh, but now, if you have the same property, same rents, same expenses with higher interest rates, then the cash return for the buyer is dramatically lower. That's what's making it tough for buyers in the current market. See. So moving forward, I would recommend keeping an eye on interest rates because that'll probably dictate what people do. Yeah, right. And that'll be a, a, a topic for the next podcast that leads me to the next podcast on what trends we're seeing for 2023. Okay. That's a teaser. And they call Looking that in the forward. business. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. Well, that'll do it for today's Apartment Investor Series seminar podcast on the apartment market in the Pacific Northwest and beyond. Have a great day, Afa, and we'll see you soon. See you soon. Okay, thank you very much for listening. If you like this episode and want to hear more, subscribe to our podcast where we release new episodes weekly. If you want more information about the multifamily market, go to my firm's website, josephbernard.net. Click on the Contact Us tab and sign up for our apartment e-newsletter. As a bonus for listening to this podcast, I will answer any apartment investing questions you have via email at bgarrett at josephbernard.net. That is spelled B-G-E-H-R-E-T at josephbernard.net. Until then, 
keep on learning.